All right, what's up, podcast listeners? Stuart Anderson, just a short introduction before we get on with our interview with Lakota Fippen from Team Type 1. We're so grateful for him and the time he spends with us. He comes to us live from Spain, and you can hear the birds tweeting in the background. He'd just come off like a really cool day of training and, uh, and riding and cycling with his team. Um, he is a professional cyclist, and on his team, all of the professionals are type 1 diabetics. Uh, and as you know, Chip rides with type 1 diabetes. And the story that these guys share about how they manage diabetes as endurance athletes is incredible. So hopefully you enjoy this episode with Lakota. Uh, a lot of cool insights on how he manages his life and how the team works together, not only as professionals, but also as friends who all have diabetes. Uh, we met Lakota years ago and Chip gets into the story. He'll talk about how we met him, how we had lunch with him and how uh, he is connected to that professional cycling team. So super grateful to Lakota, thankful for the time he spends. And if you can uh, check out the video, man, he is such a stud. Uh, he's the coolest guy and we're, we're grateful to have him on. If he's listening now, we wish him all the success for this year in his race and uh, in his races and in his career as a cyclist over in Europe. So uh, super grateful to all you for listening. Uh, grateful for camp coming up and thankful for Jake Cook and all the time he's spent planning and preparing uh, to host everybody down in St. George. Uh, still time to sign up. We'd love to have you down there and uh, participate with the team. So anyway, that's it. Uh, hope you enjoy Lakota Fippen and grateful for all you listening. Thanks. All right. Welcome everybody to uh, Me Dwelle podcast. We're so excited for our guest. This is like a real, we're turning into like a real podcast here with Lakota Fippen. What's up, Lakota? Up. what's up he is joining us live from spain uh team type one the pro team chip's going to do a little introduction to lakota in one sec uh but before we we get onto that we're super excited for team camp um what is it next week two weeks down yeah. in saint george yep two two weeks to go okay so two weeks we'll be in saint george there's still room to sign up if you want to attend and be with us we're going to start taking um reservations for food and our dinners for uh, Thursday and Friday night. So we're looking forward to it. Super excited for camp. I'm grateful to Jake Cook for all the work he's done to plan Manship. 80 guys are signed up to come. So it's going to be a big, big group. Crazy. Can't wait. Anything Crazy. else, dude? Anything else you want to talk about? Um, fun to get outside today and, and yeah. starting to warm up a little bit in, in Salt Lake, although we need the snow. Um, the riding is getting good outside. You can still see my line on my yeah. forehead from my thermal hat that i wore on yeah, our right that's right <laughs> yeah, other than that anyway it's not gonna all right chip do you want to introduce our guest i do um so i am i am so excited uh for this podcast today because um there the, the, this is a special podcast and um, interview that we have today with Lakota. Um, to give a little bit of a, a background, um, today we're, we're interviewing Lakota Fippen, who um, races for the pro team of Team Type 1. Um, what is Team Type 1? I'm going to let Lakota talk about that in a second, but just as you guys know, <clears throat> this is uh, type one diabetes. So it, every single racer on this team, uh, has type one. And, um, 
I was introduced to Lakota from Phil Sutherland, who is uh, founder CEO of, of Team Type One, who also has Team Type One. And I met him uh, years ago and uh, Team Type One has just um, grown to this awesome pro team um, that Lakota is a part of. And um, Stu and I had lunch with Lakota roughly <clears throat> five years ago when Lakota was being onboarded onto to Team Type One. Um, Lakota has a background here in Utah. That's how we know Lakota and has uh, was racing here locally with Hangar 15 um, and has recently just gone nuts over the last five years with his <laughs> his racing career with um, uh, team type one and and he's coming to us live today from Spain just coming off the tour of uh, Antalya and we're going to talk to him about that a little bit so <clears throat> that is how we know Lakota um, let me just uh, give this introduction to to Lakota as we get going is that okay Lakota yeah absolutely He's just he's just enjoying the beautiful patio with the tweeting birds and the Man. sunshine. Look at it. <laughs> it looks so good over there. Yeah, it does. Yeah, winter's um, been nice to us over here, but also not a lot of precipitation, like I guess has been going on in Utah as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lakota's introduction. We're gonna say one of four children from a young age. Um, Lakota was involved in highly competitive endurance athletics, including, including Nordic skiing, running, mountain biking. He fell in love with cycling while watching the European races on TV and swiftly began harboring his own ambitions of becoming a cyclist. He promptly found progress racing with Hangar 15, <clears throat> who we all know on the US domestic pro road tour and um, gained a, just invaluable experience and teamwork in, in the leadership there. In 2016, Lakota's life changed drastically when he was diagnosed with type one. And that spring, uh, as any type one would notice, he grew uh, weak and a little bit frail and noticed he didn't have the energy to keep up with his friends with, while out riding. And the weekend after his 24th uh, birthday, um, he could really see how uh, horrifically thin he had become. And after a conversation with his father, um, Lakota went into the emergency room where he was uh, diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes. Um, Lakota, take us uh, through that uh, experience of your training, you are, you feel awesome. And, and then you just start to progressively, we, we as cyclists, we know our bodies so well. And you're like, what is going on with my body? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, uh, that was a really, a uh, monumental experience and, uh, really was a pivotal point for me. Um, I had been out of endurance athletics for about, 18 months, it was over a year and had completely just devoted myself to uh, Tantra and meditation and had just come back from India and 
you know, so basically it was one of those things where all the intensity that I'd been putting into racing and training and all those things um, never left me, but it was just transferred into Tantra and meditation. And um, so then going into the depths of that and coming back from India, my body just started to deteriorate. <clears throat> and it was just a like a, a strange thing because I could tell something was happening, but you just I just didn't know. And like you said, it was just at this point where it's like I was just losing weight and getting all of the laundry list of symptoms of what I now know is diabetic ketoacidosis and going through that for, you know, weeks. And uh, whereas eventually I called my dad and told him what was going on, called work that day. It was like, I can't come in and, um, you know, did the classic like googled my symptoms <laughs> and it was just like without a doubt like ah oh, this is diabetic ketoacidosis and so then went into the emergency room and you know they did a quick urinalysis and it was like oh yeah yeah you're spilling ketones and but then you know once that diagnosis was made that yeah you know it's looking like you're type 1 diabetic it was like oh you know thank god that's like actually a very simple thing to be able to work out. And now I know and can begin this road of management. And then it was even still there while in the hospital bed, remembering racing when I was racing with what's now Hangar 15. And back then it was canning bicycles. And um, at the uh, Joe Martin stage race in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and seeing the uh, Team Novo Nordisk uh, jerseys in the Peloton and, you know, seeing the guys set up with their sensors and their pumps and having just the quick thought of like, Oh man, wonder what that's like. Mm. And, you know, there I was a few years later and, uh, you know, now I'm, <laughs> now I have a pretty good idea of what it's like. Um, but seeing them and remembering that was just like, I think there is a pathway to start racing again, because one of the things for me as well was, um, kind of on this uh, existential search through yoga and the meditation was just getting back into integrity with, you know, my life and my desires and what, you know, is fulfilling for me as a person, as an individual. And with my long, longest standing endeavor of being a cyclist and being a bike racer, it was like, all right, I need to get back on track with that and really fulfill that and see how far I can go. And uh, especially now with, you know, this like, uh, like a second chance at life. Mm. And um, so then it was important for me to see what I can do. And so then I got in contact with Team Novo Nordisk, like I was diagnosed in May. And so it was around September, you know, I spent the whole summer kind of working and training and trying to get my body back into it, trying to find some shape and some form and sent to Palmaras to Team Novo Nordisk and they were like and uh well Team Novo Nordisk and Team Type 1 is the uh the sister organization um you know it's uh mostly the same but Team Novo Nordisk is the formal sponsored team and um so sent my Pomars over to them asking if I could raise mountain bikes for them because at that time I was um doing some of the NICA coaching and uh with the Skyline school mm -hmm. in salt lake and up in mill creek and um 
they're like, well, you have a lot of road experience. So what would you think about coming back and racing road bikes full time? And for me, it was like a no brainer, like, okay, geez, I wasn't expecting that, but let's do it. And, uh, so that was, a that was like the start of it all. Just like jumping back in racing all of the time and having that be, you know, the primary responsibility of being fit to race, racing with the development team and, uh, yeah, now we're with the professional squad. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Lakota, I'm going to back up just uh, a little bit on, on the point, some of the points that you made and when you were diagnosed. Um, so, mm-hmm. every, so everybody can understand this. Lakota was diagnosed with type 1 at age 24. That was the same age that I was diagnosed um, with, with type one. And so when you go into the hospital feeling uh, like uh, weight loss, blurred vision, you're constantly thirsty, you're constantly urinating. Like, like Lakota said, he Googled some of these symptoms and <clears throat> he goes into the ER. And from that moment that they test your blood sugar, and let's say that normal is between 90 and 120 and and mine or Lakota's comes back at 400 or 350, your life changes in that moment for the rest of time in that time that they test your sugar in that very moment, life will not be the same. Um, So everybody understands type one is a condition in which your immune system destroys insulin making cells in your pancreas. So your body no longer produces insulin on its own. Therefore taking sugar and or insulin, you guys see me having to like shove sugar in sometimes while we're riding. <laughs> Look um, at Lakota laugh. <laughs> and and <It's> sometimes so <laughs> these guys will be like, hey, Chip is walking up that climb eating a salted nut roll Like he just has to regroup for a minute, you know, we're at hour six on one of our long Saturdays. I, I am putting in as much sugar as I can to, to get back to normal. And then it's just like, Hey, I'm all good. But so imagine, um, doing this, what Lakota is talking about racing on at the pro level, full gas for, um, you know, five, six hours in a race and managing this, um, how hard is it still, Lakota, to have this completely dialed uh, on the pro tour? You know, I think it's one of the interesting things about the condition is like, as familiar as you can be with your body and how your body works and what it responds to is you still have to show up every day and you have to be on point to, be there for yourself and be able to make the uh, the choices, the right choices, so that glucose doesn't go overly low or overly high. And it's it's constant. It's constant uh, awareness and constant planning ahead, constant patience. I think patience is one of the biggest things is because it can so easily throw you off when uh, you know glucose isn't responding to what you think it should, and you have to make last-minute changes, changes or adjustments, um, and so then just cultivating, just like it's okay, 
you can be calm, you know, relax a little bit. Um, and especially racing can be so different from just day-to-day -day living because racing, there's also just the stress of a race coming. You know, like in the last race that I was doing in Tour of Antalya, it's the first race of the season, which is nervous. And, you know, it's the stage race. And so you always know, like, there's going to be nerves for the first couple of days, just in the peloton itself. And the fascinating thing is that your body just knows, even if even your mind, you're telling yourself, it's like, relax, you've raced a million times, you know what to do, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can tell yourself that mentally, but your body will still tell the truth when your blood sugar spikes. <laughs> because just because you're stressed out because it's a race. And so there's still things like that that can be surprising and you still have to manage, but then it's just be patient with it. And so, again, it's just one of those things you just have to, you know, be present for and patient about. One thing, uh, two, two things to make mention of, you guys have heard Lakota make mention of the main sponsor and name of this team is Novo Nordisk. Um, talk to us. First, just introduce Novo Nordisk as a company, Lakota, a little bit, mm -hmm. who they are and their background. Why are they so committed to um, Team Type 1 slash no Novo Nordisk as a team? Yeah. So Novo Nordisk is a Danish pharmaceutical company. And for the past, you know, gosh, it's been nearly 100 years they've been primarily focused on diabetes and the development of insulin and uh, treatment for people with diabetes. And um, so, you know, last year we were riding with the uh, hundred year anniversary since the first administration of insulin and the development of insulin as a product that can, you know, now save lives um, for us type one diabetics. And uh, this year, you know, we are, kind of branching out um, with our new uh, driving change in diabetes. And that's really one of the cool things that Novo Nordisk is really about is kind of this uh, developing this inclusivity into just having a healthy lifestyle and providing the means for people that have various conditions to work towards developing a healthier lifestyle. And having, you know, the, uh, the things that you need to achieve that. And so, you know, the, the wording change from changing diabetes, it's now driving change in diabetes as well as driving change in obesity, um, mm. other chronic illnesses can conditions like that. Um, we're also riding this year with, uh, you know, um, 1922 Leonard Thompson on our sleeve. Leonard Thompson was the first person to be administered insulin in 1922 and so this is the the 100th year anniversary of that and that was really very groundbreaking and providing you know basically what we can do now we go out and race and live our lives with type one incredible um hey chip yeah just to make sure that everyone understands and correct me if i'm wrong but everyone on all the athletes on the team are type one correct that is correct. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the platform, which is, I think when we met for lunch five years ago, I don't think the whole team yet had been like converted into all the athletes being type one, which is so cool. 
It is very cool. Yeah, it's and it's something that also creates this unique bond and camaraderie amongst us as writers and teammates and really has this uh, kind of betting as the team being a family is because we all share in this condition and we can watch out for each other and know more or less what we're all each of us are going through the uh, day-to-day struggles that we may have um, you know celebrating our highs and lows you know figuratively and literally (laughs) and (laughs) and uh, yeah it just makes the the team a a really uh, unique unique body nice what's so cool about this Lakota is I can only imagine the support that you have from um, some of the coaches and administration levels that are so knowledgeable, you know, your team doctors Mm -hmm. and, and admin that understand the ins and outs of type one. I mean, these athletes, you guys are receiving, um, the ultimate top of the line technology and care. Um, talk about that Lakota that our, our teammates have been super excited about super sapiens and some of the new, like Mm -hmm. you, you got people so interested in how dialed you are that, um, they're wondering, should I wear a constant glucose meter just to know, you know, about yeah, my body? It's, <clears throat> it's really fascinating. And I think in, for me personally, I feel fortunate to have been diagnosed at this age where all of this technology is available because it makes management so much easier. And, um, you know, I think as well as that my mother, Jean, was just diagnosed type one. And, you know, she's 60 now. And, but sure enough, she's type one now. And, but she could immediately get on a sensor and, you know, develop this, her routine and find what works for her, what doesn't work for her and have uh, things available to help that. And what has been interesting over the past couple of years, and, you know, it's paired directly to super sapiens and um, which, uh, is you know really really cool company and concept is providing this technology for people who don't have diabetes and for performance athletes everybody is finding who's using this product that their glucose is a factor in the performance and uh one of the things that has been recognized is that people who don't have diabetes, when they're in a stressful performance state, uh, their body can respond. Like, you know, they still have to fuel with sugars. They still have to find their own perfect range to work at. And not everybody is the same. Every, every individual has their own unique uh, level of what, where their performance is optimal. And so now that they have a continuous glucose monitor, they can know real time what their glucose is doing and fuel appropriately and uh, get the most out of themselves. Mm. And the way that that has been driving the sport, I mean, you're seeing the best racers now in the world using continuous glucose monitors to see what their glucose is doing. It's just like, ah, how fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so cool. Um, I think that the constant glucose meter has been just a game changer for me and, and always knowing, I mean, 
So everybody mm-hmm. knows I can look down at an Apple watch or even view it on um, whether it's your sometime your watch, your garment, and look to see what your blood sugar is at in that moment. And it updates like every three seconds, you guys. So it's like real time. So cool. Game changer. Um, and that's the secret sauce of managing it is knowing what your levels are at. Um, mm-hmm. So Lakota, after, after, so if we kind of take some stepping stones on Lakota's career, he's um, after five years of racing with um, Team Nova Nordisk um, in the development team, um, Lakota made the step up to the pro team in 2021. And in so doing, he's truly realizing a long held dream of, of um, becoming the team's only U.S. pro rider. Um, Lakota, talk to us about what that feels like. You know, when you watch the draft into the NBA and the NFL and you're <laughs> like, you have made it, you've made it. And Lakota, when you get that phone call Hey, we're moving you. We've selected you for the pro team. Um, is CEO Phil Sutherland there, like welcoming you with the high five and hug? What? Tell us how you <laughs> felt and how that went. I, you know, I remember when I first joined the team, and you know, we were going to my the first team camp that I ever went to. It was like back in it was an October camp, and we were down at the Dominican Republic uh, building houses and for underprivileged people. And um, Phil had come up to me and was like, ah, Lakota, it's so nice to meet you. You're, you're our, our American hope. And taking that out and putting it in my pocket was like, oh, okay. Well, I, I will do my best to live up to that. And, um, and then the years with the development team, just continuing to learn and grow and then uh, it was actually uh, Vasily Davidenko, the pro team manager, who he you know sent sent me an email. I was like, "Hey, I'd like to have a phone call with you." And we had the phone call, and uh, where he told me that you know he'd offer me a contract and um, talk about what the the next couple years of life would be looking like. And uh, then the next thing I did was you know, I called my father and was like, "Dad, I got to move to Europe now." And that was just like, that was like, yes, <laughs> because, because, you know, it was one of those things like when I was racing on Canyon bicycles, now hangar 15 and uh, where I always just, you know, me and Bryce Young, we'd always race super aggressive and nobody could ever understand it. And, you know, we would just like race outside of ourselves just to be aggressive off the front of the race, even just doing stupid attacks and stuff. But it wasn't until going to Europe where that was like became an acceptable way to race. <laughs> and so, you know, as soon as I got into the field here, we were just like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is, I can, I can full time. It is just, I mean, it's a, it's a really special privilege to have and um, something that, you know, I'm still, you know, have to get to the bottom of and am still arriving at because there wasn't like a moment where it's just like, all right, I've done it now because cycling is such hard work where it's just, 
you have to work hard every day and find just when you get good, then you have to dive in and find at which little points you can be even better at. Mm. And for me, I feel like I know I'm 29, which is like not young, but I still feel young and still have this kind of youthful enthusiasm where I like to dive in. I like to still work really hard and still learn new things. And um, so as long as I can keep my career going, that's the, uh, that's the trend I want to maintain is just continuing to learn and develop and find out what, uh, what I can really do. Man, nice. That's awesome. And what's the calendar look like Lakota this year? I mean, you're all in for, I mean, how packed is your guys' schedule? The schedule is pretty busy. Um, the season started much earlier this year. Um, I started racing at Tour of Antalya, which was the first week of February. And um, now it's just, there's a lot of racing. Um, there's a lot of racing in Greece this month. Um, I'm, my next race is the GP uh, Miguel Indurain in Spain. Um, it's a second division race um, in the north of Spain. I saw that like that actually that schedule came out yesterday, <laughs> last night, and I looked at it and was like, dang, I need to do some climbing. <laughs> that's what it, that's what I just say on my right. It's like, all right, I need to go, need to go do some hard climbs. Um, but you know, then there's just, um, we have skill the prize, which is another one day Belgian race, like part of the classics. That's just like, Ooh, I'd really like to be on that roster. And so still working to have that that position available um tour of turkey is another one and uh yeah and then the rest of the season super busy our marquee races i would say are the tour of poland um which is a world tour race and the week-long stage race and uh the tour of denmark is another big one for us cool. and as and you those think- come those come a little about midsummer and as you roll into like we're in it. You're in it all day, every day. Um, what is like a day in your life? What does it look like? Like, uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that normal guys like me want to know. Like, what do you do? What do you do all day? <laughs> uh, like Take on a hour when, by hour. Yeah. When it's like training, when it's full on training, the it's basically wake up at 8 a.m., you know, I don't have to wake up super early. <laughs> I can sleep in a little bit. Wake up at 8 a.m., uh, try to read a little bit, get caught up on the news, um, have breakfast by 9, be on the bike by 10, and then it's training, you know, like a midday. I'll be back to the house by 2 in the afternoon, and then it's a uh, quick shower, um, lunch, then usually like some core or gym work Mm. and then then it's just relaxing like Mm. stay off the feet as much as possible um today was an exception today i went out to lunch um but usually it's like stay at the house stay off the feet get in the normatex um, use a foam roller um Mm. have dinner in the early evening like my ideal times like around six o'clock and then 
relax the rest of the evening, try to have a decent bedtime, get like your eight to nine hours of sleep. Mm. And uh, if it's racing, it's a little different. Racing can be it's just like um, would be the day before a race is usually kind of stressful. Um, you've just traveled the night before. And so you're trying to get as much sleep as you can um, while also following like going to the, uh, the breakfast at the right time and then going on your morning training ride. Usually if you have like your race bikers, things to make sure they're exactly the same. Um, if you're like a real uh, compulsive guy, that can be like taking more time than it should. But um, then go for your training. Um, before a race, you usually do like an hour and a half, two hours, nothing crazy, but usually like a little bit of intensity just to open the engine up. Uh, and then you're coming back, having massages, and then staying off your feet basically as much as possible. Mm-hmm which is equates to laying in a hotel bed (laughs) (laughs) so much meditation Uh, yeah yeah there's a there's a lot of downtime a lot of a lot of time for reflection that's good and depending on how hard the race is after the race there's quite a bit of time for reflection as well (laughs) and don't ever call it laying around it's reflection time it's good (laughs) yeah exactly there's still some there's some activity going on And all the while, you know, you're doing that. And as a reminder to everyone, managing type one at the same time. And and it becomes normal when you have it. It's just a part of your life. But do you, Lakota, sometimes you've got to have teammates. You're just sitting there and they're upset. Like, why is my blood sugar spiking right now? Or what should I do? Why, why I cannot get out of this low. Like I rode so hard yesterday. I'm just having to eat a little bit more than I want to today to maintain my blood sugars. Um, and maybe there's some tweaking going on, um, Mm -hmm. ramping up to, to the race, you know, you've got to kind of tweak your, your loading that you're doing with your food, which then also, um, means that you're, uh, adapting that with the insulin that's going in. Right. So, just yeah, another totally. complexity of you prepping for um, racing, et cetera. Exactly. And so with that is like, yes, before a race there, and especially in like the first day before and throughout, and even more so if it's a stage race uh, or multi-day race, um, for me, I have to increase my insulin you know, quite a bit because I know that I'm going to be taking on way more carbohydrates than I would otherwise, even in normal training. And so then, you know, you kind of know, you know, because most of the guys, they work with nutritionists and you know what, uh, how many grams of a specific carb you're going to use and how your body responds to that carb, carb source. And so, you know, how much long acting you're going to increase by, you know, what your pre-bolus insulin amounts will be about. Obviously there's room for surprise, Um, but it's not uncommon for somebody to be having a whack day. I mean, when we were in Turkey just now, you know, it seemed like we were all struggling with uh, high glucose and it was just like, well, we, (laughs) it's funny enough, we're all kind of in the same boat and we're just having to, 
you know, respond by making the right choices for us. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's going to be a couple moments of like doing some angry injections <laughs> and, <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, we just have to like go back to the drawing board and make sure that we've checked all the boxes we can check and, you know, try to control the things that we can control and then respond appropriately to what needs to be responded to if any changes need to be made from there on. Um, but then by the end of the week, you know, we know what to expect. Um, and that's also going to a place where like the food is completely different from what you'd have normally yeah. at home. Right. Um, but then, you know, the interesting thing that I was thinking of, and this is just also in regards to kind of the super sapiens thing is that like, for us, you know, we, as type one diabetics is like, yeah, we know basically how our body will respond to carbohydrates under a certain workload and where our insulin sensitivity is. And we can watch as we're intaking these meals of how they're affecting us, you know, on a physiological level. And you just kind of think it's just like, this has got to be happening to all these other people as well. <laughs> when we know now from these non-diabetic people who are using these continuous glucose monitors that their bodies are also responding to changes in environment, changes in pressure, changes in stress, that their bodies also making compensation for these changes in their diet. And that's also a stress on the body. And so at the end of the day, it's like, well, yeah, everybody's going through this at, in some degree or another, and you still have to show up. And, you know, the difference for us as type ones is like, we're looking at the evidence on a little screen telling us yeah. and then making the adjustments that we need to make. Lakota, I, I would think that Novo Nordisk, the main sponsor of the team, the insulin provider and and manufacturer has got to just love you guys because of the research and and you're putting them to the test like every day you have a pro team of endurance athletes showcasing like what can the body do on this insulin on or without and their products etc like you, you are basically their, <laughs> their research and development team at the same time, right? <laughs> I think maybe in, in some ways, I think that mostly for us is still um, providing the example of what's possible with the condition. Um, because a lot of the guys uh, may or may not use the Novo Nordisk products and so it's difficult to draw like a firm line that this product can lead to these results. Um, whereas what can't be argued is the fact that, you know, when we show up to races and we have uh, parents and kids or just individuals showing up who also have type one showing what a difference having the team of the world makes for them in staying motivated to live life to the fullest is that and then, you know, being able to tie that back to Novo Nordisk's efforts to, you know, uh, keep us happening in the world is really like the, uh, the pivotal thing. And we see when we have Novo Nordisk employees come to our camps or be around at the races that people who, who in the company who even know about the team respond so positively to it. And then when they talk about 
their job and what they try to do for the world that it really is a company that cares about providing a, a helpful service and making a change in the world. Mm, that's Very so awesome. So. I mean, um, the, the platform alone is just the coolest thing ever. Like, I can't imagine what it must have been like to start just like, oh, man. I mean, because when I ride with Chip, I'm like, I don't really ever think to myself as we're riding that I will die of. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure you guys are thinking that, but like the things that you guys have to think about and manage, it's, it's like a whole nother world um, when it comes to what's happening. And so that is what makes it so inspiring. That's what makes you so awesome. What's it's so inspiring to watch. Um, I just love yeah, it. Thank you, Steve. So, yeah. Lakota, what about this? This has got to happen. You roll up to the start line. You're in a race. Mm-hmm. Someone's on, someone, one of your teammates or you's blood sugar is high. Therefore you got to take out, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to pull out my insulin pen <clears throat> and you got to shoot into your arm. And the guy mm-hmm. next to you on the other team has no idea what Lakota is shooting into his <laughs> arm or leg, especially in the culture of cycling. They are like, dude, he just injected something funky into yep. his body. Um, how, how often are you explaining to the guy next to you what you are doing? You know, the, uh, the only response that I've ever had from that situation is really the person who acknowledges it saying, oh, I have a friend or I have a family member who has type one and gosh, man, like it's great to see you guys out here doing this. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're with your friends individually, like on a group ride, you can joke around Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and, but in the race, that's, that's the only reaction that I've ever had from other racers. Yeah, man. Wow. That is just so cool to think about. Nice. Um, any Lakota, any, uh, thoughts on Tour de France, his team type one. I don't really know the procedures there, but uh, what's going on there? Can you guys get accepted or is that like on the radar? So our main shift right now is, it is on the radar still. That's still an ambition of the team. And there are some steps that need to be taken before that happens. Um, Primarily doing another grand tour before that, um, just because the way that the team selection criteria is for the tour, is very high. And so you at least need to have done a grand tour before. Um, so right now, I think the last that I heard is the ambition is to be doing the Giro d'Italia. I heard the Giro in the next year or two. And, um, so that's, that's a goal. So it's like, yeah, on hard days when it's like, Oh, oh, this is actually pretty hard lifestyle. You think about that. And it's like, no, it's okay though. Yeah. Because that's what the goal is. Are you living the lifestyle that you want? Is this where you want to be? Is this, is this like, or or what do you see happening in the next, uh, you know, five, 10 years for you? In the next five to 10 years, I think I'd like to still be racing bicycles at least over the next five years. And then as that transitions into, uh, 10 years, I'll probably be doing something different. Um, I don't know what, because I still just really enjoy racing bicycles so much. Yeah. Um, 
you know, when I was younger, I always really wanted to stay in cycling and, you know, maybe fill a role as like a, a team director or um, if when I was like 19, is like, oh, I could be a race mechanic. That would be super fun. <laughs> or a uh, swan year, just something around the sport because it'd be so fun just to, I love cycling just itself so much and racing and the culture of it, that it'd be nice to see a different perspective of it outside of just being a rider. Mm-hmm. Um, but being here in Spain, actually, and where I live specifically is just a, uh, a really popular wine region. And so it's also a part of me that would really like to figure out how to get into the wine industry, whether it's owning wine, winery and tasting room, having some property with a vineyard, something like that. You know, there's a little bit of me that still like needs to get my hands in the earth mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead of uh, soaring over it on two wheels. Nice. And, um, you know, I have like this little memory being a little kid and uh, my grandmother just used to make grape juice in the basement. She'd mm. go out and like pick all these grapes off the vine and you'd come into the house and it would just smell like fermenting grapes. Damn. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'd just been kind of thinking as I'd been living here that, you know, God, the wine, wine industry would be really nice to get into. Mm. And then cruising through the, uh, the little villages in the mountains around September, you know, when the harvest is happening and you go through these little villages and you smell that musty grape smell. And you're like, why is this so nostalgic? Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. It reminds me of being a little kid again. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's uh, my heart definitely is is turning in that direction, but after racing. Yeah. Um, well, Lakota, if that means that you remain in Spain, um, or the alternative would be, you would have to move back to Utah and join the yes. Midwelly cycling team to, <laughs> yeah. to ride with us. Right. <laughs> there, there's a, there's a number of options. Yeah. Nothing's nothing's set in concrete. Yeah. I know that I need to make a little return to Europe and, or a return to the U S and, uh, catch up with family I, I still have my father who lives up in Ogden and mm-hmm. you know some of my best friends that are living in Utah still and uh, so I'm due I'm due back for a visit yeah you know Lakota one thing I admire about you is um, you know when we're together and when, when we talk you have like a really cool perspective on life balance um, whether that's your yoga your meditation whatever I mean when it comes down to balancing this sport it's tough in my opinion what, ad- yeah. what advice do you give to guys like me and Chip, or, or I guess just anybody when it comes to making sure that the passion stays good, that we stay healthy, that uh, balance? I mean, what do you do? How, what, what advice would you give? I would give the advice of, for one, like you said, making sure you still retain a passion for it and that it's in line with what your heart really wants to be doing. Mm-hmm. And as long as there is that integrity, then for me, there's been times like, especially over the past year with now being a professional and racing in the professional field where the sport is so demanding and so difficult that it becomes, even though it's, you know, like my primary responsibility is just to be good on a bicycle, it still becomes so difficult to, to manage. And when those times arise, 
it's just finding my feet on the ground, taking a step back to realize all the things that have come into place for this to even happen and finding the enjoyment in it. And that's one of the things that has kind of been affecting the, the, t- the mind of the team for this season is really just having fun and remembering that it is a sport that we are pretty fortunate to be able to do. And so with that is just taking a, taking good perspective at it. And, you know, for me, there's like my own personal little myth that goes into racing a bicycle. And that is like my own little journey that I get to make. And that's how I stay grounded and within myself while I'm training and racing. Um, But everybody has their own relationship with the sport or the sport of their choosing. And uh, there is some genuine impulse of life that drives you into those, especially with sport and athletics. And so it's just remaining in contact and within integrity and with those impulses of life moving through you to want to do it. That's so awesome. Very cool, man. Because I can imagine it's tough, like, because now you're like, oh, well, it is my job. Like, it's a job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. so you're, you're balancing like, well, I have to show up. I have to do this. Um, but at the same time, it's driven by passion. It's driven by, inte- like you said, integrity, like what your heart wants. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's rewarding. And especially now is like, honestly, like, I, you know, I think back on all the years of training and even as a teenager suffering racing mountain bikes in the I-Cup and uh which you know some of your utah audience may remember with inner mountain cup and uh now racing where it's just like yeah i have to really suffer for real (laughs) and (laughs) just like all those all those years where it's like oh i thought i was hurting and it's like nope nope this is this is now different (laughs) and (laughs) now now you're doing it for real yeah well, at least you're getting paid to do and, it. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, it's a hard job, but I really wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Yep. So true. Chip, should we wrap up? Anything else? Man, Lakota, just thanks for being the uh, an inspiration to, you know, halfway through here, you talked about um, showcasing that those that live with type one can do incredible things. And your team... Yeah and you are showcasing that. So thanks for being an inspiration to, I think that hundreds more will listen to this that are just dealing with type one and find inspiration in you and the team. And we appreciate that. We appreciate your representation from from Utah and being a a local pro writer out there. We're just grateful that we got to spend this time with you. Yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been nice to catch up with you guys again. Yeah, it has been. I wish we were sitting around a table at El Mexicano, but this is, this so is fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm dying for some Mexican food. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Well, man, best of luck, Lakota. I hope you have a great season. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Stu. Thanks so All much, right, Lakota. Yeah, thanks, Chip. It's good to chat with you. Good to catch up, and thank you for the work that you guys are doing.